You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, you will notice that this is not my usual digs nor my new digs, Um, but it is a little crazy. Hopefully everything is sounding okay. I'm at my neighbor's house. I'm going to bring in my right-hand man, the one, the only Jack Wright. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can hit me at Ryan Dengel. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. If you want to get Jack on Twitter, it's at Bear Down Jack. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm trying to make the Bear's Head logo even though it's not going to be a thing. I'm trying to still will it into existence to be a thing because it's my favorite, <laughs> best favoritist logo. I, dude, I, I guess we're in the minority because some of the stuff that's being back and forth on Twitter is, is pretty crazy. But I, it's, I, I, I put out my unpopular opinions. The Bears need a, a uniform update. They need to unretire some numbers. And that logo needs to be much more prominent than the C. It's, it's, it's time. You want, to keep, you want to keep the old schools in rotation, I assume, but then just have yeah, some sort of like absolutely. modern. I like, I love the color scheme. I'm, I'm totally down with that, but it's, yeah. it's time. Do you know what I mean? Like even like the lions, which this works out perfectly. Cause we've got, we got our friends from the roar of the lions here today. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that they've done a good job of like, of, of making slight uniform changes that still like give a nod to the history, but like give it some, a fresh look, dude, it's, it's 2023, man. Let's, let's do this. Let's shake this up. I'm for it. I think baseball does a great job with it. And most of the other teams in the NFL have done a really good job with their alternatives. Absolutely. So a couple quick programming notes for all of you. It is two o'clock in the afternoon in Chicago land, but it's eight o'clock at night for our friends in the UK who were just wonderful. We, we talk about this often. I'm so excited to have Matt and Steve on. They're just such good freaking dudes. Um, and Hey, we can talk trash about the rest of the NFC North. So, so at least we got that going for us, which is pretty nice. Uh, we will be here on Sunday and Jack, this is big. We can't, I don't think we can say the name just yet, but we're going to have one of the members of the Chicago Bears 2006 Super Bowl team on our podcast Sunday night. How freaking cool is that, dude? That is super exciting. I'm looking forward to that. And there's a uh, preseason game. So like all yeah. of it. We got, we got so much, so much to talk about in so little time. Um, for this episode, we're going to talk to our friends at Roar the Lions. And then after that, we've got a whole bunch of stuff from training camp. Brendan and I went, and I'm dropping in some media today. I got some pictures and some videos for all of you guys. So if you are one of our audio-only listeners, come on, check us out on YouTube, uh, Bear Down Chai Pod, just like you think. Uh, and we're here. We, you, can, you can see what those, those voices look like. And if you are one of our YouTube followers and you want to go back and listen to a little episode while you're driving the car, check us out, Spotify. Spotify, iTunes, you know me, you name it, we are there. Jack, before we get into what's going on, we got some people we got to thank. The first one is our guy, Jeff Cadwalder. Our friend Jeff Cadwalder has been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties. And he's been killing it. 
It doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner, or an investor. If you're looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is our guy. Absolutely, please give him a call or a text, 630-254-4734. Visit Geneva Jeff, Jeff Cadwallader. And if you do talk to Jeff, tell him that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. Ryan, as you know, iron sharpens iron. Real recognizes real. And it's Sheridan's Barbershop. It's where traditional meets modern. Traditional barbershop care at Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 67 years. I'm sorry, 69 years, plus two. Uh, with six barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, they have appointments available to book online or by telephone at your convenience. You can go to sheridansbarbershop.com. Or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Last little thing before we bring the, bring Matt and Steve on. I'm at my neighbor's house. They graciously let me stay here while my wife is sleeping in the place that I normally podcast from because our house is in total renovation. Oh, and by the way... She's eight months pregnant. Oh, and by the way, today's her birthday. So like Happy biggest birthday. shout out to my wife who's like, yeah, go podcast. And I was like, are you sure? Is this a trick? Um, and she's like, no, go do it. So shout out to my wife, Kate. I love you. Thank you. And shout out to Richard and Shar, my neighbors, for letting me use your space. I appreciate you. With that being said, I mean this sincerely. I love these guys. The banter that Steve and I had going uh, earlier this week was fantastic. I love it. So let's bring in from the Roar of the Lions, Matt and Steve. Boys, how are you guys? Doing well, guys. How are you doing? Doing, you know what? Despite the fact that I have no working bathroom in my house, uh, my floors are all torn up. Um, and yeah, it's a total disaster. I'm doing pretty well. How about, how about you guys? <laughs> it's 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 just great to um have like football on the horizon like it's been a drought it's always a drought and we always forget like how long the summer is um but it feels like it's around the corner so the mood's buoyant over here jack you got to say your line man uh it's beginning to feel a lot like football and i think i watched i watched quarterback (laughs) and then i so i watched quarterback and then i watched Last night's preseason game, and then I watched uh, the first episode of Hard Knocks. I feel like I need to keep some of it in reserve because each time I get done watching these things, I'm so geeked up for football to start, and then I look at the calendar, and I'm like, oh, shoot. We're there tonight, first preseason game for the Lions at midnight our time, uh, 6 p.m. Chicago time, so really pumped for that. Can't wait for us to get going. Uh, I, I feel way better than about stealing your guys' Friday night. We're just getting you ready before the game, right? I'm top. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, boys, just quick questions before we get into our, our Lions questions. Are, have you watched quarterback and are you watching hard knocks? Are you hate watching hard knocks with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers? Or, are you feeling better now? Brendan was saying that he, he doesn't, he's not mad because Brendan, like, he, or sorry, Rodgers is now out of the division. So he's like, whatever, it's somebody else's problem. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, you, Steve, you take it because I'm I'm not watching either. So, <laughs> well, I, I think you know for the NFC North, this is like a historic season because you, you know I think as as fans we need to unite here because 
there's been a, a great veteran that's overshadowed the NFC North for like, you know, a decade. And, you know, he scored points on your team. He scored points on our team. And I think we just need to like recognize the real and just wish him all the best in his new team. Because, you know, we can't, we can't have, we, 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 you know, we, we, should, we should be bigger than our petty rivalries. So I just want to wish Adam Thielen all the best for the Carolina <laughs> Panthers. Um, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Bravo. A gracious man. Um, and, right, and, so- and as for Rogers, as, as Conor McGregor would say, who the f- is that guy? <laughs> Steve, careful with the language. Now. We are a family-ish podcast, and did warn Steve not to yeah. use that specific word. No, but that's but, okay. But I echo right. the sentiment for sure. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. just I, I t- t- tweeted it last night, and it was in our text thread. Just for anybody in our division, viewer discretion advised. The first fifteen minutes of Hard Knocks is almost indescribable in terms of the love fest that the fans, the players, the coaches, and the media have for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's almost like at an embarrassing level to the organization, how much fawning. And I get it, right? Like, they're in desperate need of a quarterback, but it's not a good look. I mean, I know I have a ton of bias because I don't really like the guy because the Packers, but I'm just telling you, viewer discretion is advised. It's <laughs> if If all of the sudden someone of Aaron Rodgers' caliber – walked into our division into the Chicago Bay, I would be the same way because we're bears fans and we've never, you know, we haven't had a good quarterback in ever. So that's besides the point. Let's get into the questions. Boys talk to us year two under Dan Campbell. How are you guys kind of feeling about this? You know, we, we, we talked, I think last time we were together about your almost playoff run, uh, knocking the Packers out of the playoffs, you know, just again, one more time. Thank you from all of us to all of you guys uh, for that. But, but just kind of give us the lay of the land. Like, where are you kind of feeling about that? So just to say going into year three now, by the way, with with Dan Campbell, apologies. First one, yeah. no, no, no. But we finished three thirteen one year one nine and eight last year. So where are we as Lions fans? There are season predictions right now, and I'm sure we'll come on to that. But there are season predictions right now saying that the Lions are going to win the division with a ten and seven record. And the prevailing feeling from the majority of fans I speak to is why are we so pessimistic? Like that is below the expectation that the fans have for this team. And if you have a look at what Dan's done and Brad Holmes, the GM, has done from two and a half years ago to now, there's only like, I don't know, eight people, eight players left on the 90-man roster that we have as a holdover from two and a half years ago. So the team is completely revolutionized. It's exceptionally young. Like there really doesn't, there's no right for a team this young to have the expectation that it has. Frankly, it's probably unfair to the players but they've played so damn well, especially down the stretch last year, that the hopes for this team are, have never been higher since I've been a fan. Since 2009, this is the most optimistic the Lions have ever felt about their team. Full stop. It's it's absolutely nuts. I, I can't believe the hype. But it's great. I've never felt like this about a team before. Steve, what about yeah, you? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. Um and I think the optimism broadly comes from the offense because I think we feel now that you know, we've got like a really solid offensive unit and, you know, it's it's not fragile. You know, you know we, we could take a couple of injuries and still compete. Um, I think the Teddy Bridgewater signing at QB was a bit of a message 
from you know the front office that they wanted to make sure that lose you know Goff getting injured just didn't derail what could be like a division winning season. Um, for me, that 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 optimism about Ben Johnson and the offense and the the really kind of like explosive plays that we saw last year that got us out of trouble is slightly tempered by our defense, which was bad for most of last season. And yeah, you know, like this is Aiden Hutchinson's second season, um, and, and it does feel like they're like something's building, but we've not seen them deliver it consistently. So that's kind of like the only way I would moderate my optimism because the defense has to get better. I think that segues nicely into the next question in, in terms and very specifically about the off season for the Lions. Uh, what is an aspect that makes you feel especially confident about the offseason the Lions have had? And what's an aspect that maybe gives you a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of concern? Matt and then Steve, please. I think I think they're both the same thing. So Steve okay. alluded to the fact that the defense is the thing which potentially can hold this team back and tempers the optimism. The reason to be optimistic is because the Lions have addressed the defense heavily over the last two and a half seasons. They've put the majority of money and draft resources into the defense. So, you know, as, as he mentioned, Aiden's coming into year two, but they, they drafted Jack Campbell, first round mid-linebacker, which is not traditionally meant to be a good move, but if it works, it could be revolutionary. There's not very many good linebackers in the league, full stop. Um, but Derek Barnes is meant to have taken a jump. We traded up for him two years ago. And he's flattered to deceive, but he's apparently much better. We've also brought in Cameron Sutton from the Steelers. Three years, $30 million as our cornerback one, outside corner. Uh, we've also got Emmanuel Mosley from the 49ers. He's got an injury problem at the moment, lingering from his time there. So we haven't been able to see him. They also took Brian Branch, who was meant to be the top safety in the draft, but fell to the middle of the second round. They also brought in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, potentially the best safety nickel in free agency so they have invested a lot of resources in the area that is the worst for the team and so the upside is if that defense really does rebound and is even you know mid-table 16th in the league well if the offense is fifth again that is potentially a, an nfc worthy team not even just north that that could put them right up there into the trajectory of getting into the championship game but it's also the thing which is its biggest weakness. You know, if Campbell was a rookie linebacker, just doesn't quite read everything quite right, and CJ doesn't quite fit in the team, and Branch, he's had a great training camp, by the way. But, you know, we all know that doesn't really translate to the NFL real. You know, rookies sometimes just take a little while. And it could be another team that's just another year away. So let's wait and see on that point. Yeah, I, I think... Um... It, it was our secondary that was really bad last season, and, and it wasn't helped by the fact we lost our best safety, Tracy Walker, to injury. Um, but, you know, with Kirby Joseph, who, you know, famously picked Rogers' last throw in the NFC North, um, and Branch looks an absolute stud, um, it, it really feels like there's some optimism, but I think we just need to see it on the field. And I think the first um, pick six that we get is going to, take a lot of pressure off Lions fans in terms of how they're, how they're feeling every time the, the um, opposing offence gets, on the, gets uh, on the field with the ball. And, and obviously, like, we're going to Kansas City and playing against Mahomes. So, you know, that's the ultimate test of anyone's secondary. 
So you guys talked a little bit about Jack Campbell. You talked a little bit about Brian Branch. Um, I know when we spoke last time that you felt that the slightly unorthodox approach that the Lions took in the draft, meaning that they got guys that they like, but maybe just not necessarily in the order that most people thought they should have gone. Do you still feel that strongly about it? I know, you know, you're, you're waiting on that first preseason game. It's a little early kind of still to tell, but do you still feel strongly about this draft? Why don't you go first this time? Um, I was pretty shocked on draft night when we picked Jameer Gibbs. Um, but I think that's because I was so focused on defense and um, the fact that, you know, I've really wanted them to invest in the, in the defense first. But I can see exactly what they've done with Gibbs. And, you know, Gibbs is a, you know, a huge weapon that could absolutely um, revolutionize what is already a fantastic offense. Um, and if he is as good as a catching as, as everyone says, it's going to give us so many options. And you know, we've seen last year that Ben Johnson is such a creative guy in terms of calling plays. And he, he got us out of a lot of jams at the defense, um, holes that the defense had dug us. And we were really, really pleased. Probably like one of the biggest um, thing, wins of the offseason was keeping Ben Johnson. So, um, and I think also we see, you know, Jack Campbell, we, we know what, why they picked him. He's a Dan Campbell guy. And he's someone who's like going to be in the team for the next five to ten seasons. Um, so I'm feeling a lot better about it now. But at the time, you know, I, I think, I think we, a lot of us were pretty confused as to what, what was happening. I think the results that we've seen at training camp so far justify what they've done more than at the time, specifically. So... Jameer Gibbs in camp has been repping 50% as a wide receiver and 50% as a running back. And actually, I think when push comes to shove, I think he's probably been repping more with the wide receivers than he has with the running backs. And at Alabama, I think it was about 80-20 in favor of running back. So we are very much trying to work him on creating his his route tree. You know, if you have a look at what he does at Alabama, it's a lot of... um, hitches when he lines up as a wide receiver or he's a decoy you don't really see him doing any slants or anything like that but you do see him do like texas routes out the back backfield so going over the middle when it's congested is very much in his repertoire so it's just something that they've needed to develop so if he is legitimately a wide receiver who plays running back which i think is what they're trying to get out of him then it makes a lot more sense what they've done there and with campbell for me that was kind of a wait and see if we have it because I know when you take people in the first round, you see teams preach, they have to earn it, we're not just going to give it to them. And teams are like, yeah, okay, you say that. But fans are like, okay, you say that. But come week one, they're starting. You know they are. Well, the Lions last year started sixth-round linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez over some of the people they paid because he legitimately was playing better than them. So draft Mm. position plays absolutely no mind into who they're going to play. If you're ready, you're ready. And if you're not, you're not. And Jack Campbell started with the threes, came up to the twos, and he's now repping with the starters. And they legitimately, this, this team, this staff, do not do that if they're not ready. So he's at the point where he is our best linebacker alongside Anzalone. They two will start in the middle. And then Branch is... Just a revelation. Sam Laporta is probably the biggest offensive weapon we have on the team, apart from Amara St. Brown. He's had a revolutionary camp. Now, he's going to look a lot like TJ Hawkinson, which some people might be a bit surprised at. But I don't think a lot of Hawk in terms of his blocking ability. He's not very good at it. 
And Sam has a long way to go in that regard. But he's a very, very good guy with the ball in his hands. So when I have a look back at the draft, the Lions maybe didn't get max value. But in terms of production, they're all going to have it. And so I think they're looking at the next five years and just going, let's make the absolute best of this. And we'll worry about 10 years time in 10 years time. That, that's just so interesting that you say that, Matt. You you had me thinking of Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith did the exact same thing, you know, uh, the last uh, Chicago Bears coach to bring his team to a Super Bowl. Um, it was it didn't matter where you were uh, in, in terms of dollar amount. He's going to put the best player. And I remember his first year, I think it was the 04 season, Jack. Does that sound right? Um, so. The 04, And he ended up sitting a couple veterans for, for guys that were playing better. Dude, I, props to him. Props to him on that. Matt, just a, a quick follow-up uh, for the listeners. Matt's wearing this wonderful uh, black shirt with blue red lettering that says, Restore the Roar. I'm just curious, when exactly was there a roar? And <laughs> there it how is. Will we, how will think, we be restoring it? Exactly? I think it ended in 1959. I think that was our last NFL championship game. So, yeah, Dan, we didn't win that Bring one either. Oh, that was 1958 and we did win it. I can't remember how it went. We had... We had three and four years, and then I think we've been waiting for ever since. I mean, that was a long time before my time, so it sure. <laughs> was a long time ago. But it's a lovely shirt. It so. is. It is absolutely lovely. Um, <laughs> thanks for being uh, a good sport on that, because, you know, there there is a saying, don't throw rocks in glass houses, right? So um, how are you feeling about the uh, the Teddy Bridgewater signing and uh, also the, the David Montgomery signing? So for Teddy... I think. Oh, sorry, Steve. Do you want to? You want to take it? Um, I'll, I'll just very quickly say that, kind of, in terms of the long-term plan for the Lions, I think one of the most important people on the Detroit Lions roster is Hendon Hooker, because we know that Goff is not like going to be the guy for the next like five years, um, and the development of Hooker. Hooker's got real, real potential, um, and I don't think the Lions are going to be in a position to take a top five, six draft pick in the first round in, in the next few years based on our current team. And that's, that's me being quite optimistic. Um, so the development of Hooker is so important. And I think rather than being pressured to kind of get re- over his injury and be ready to back up golf, I think by putting Bridgewater in, Bridgewater's an older guy. He's at New Orleans. He was like really good with the, with the younger QBs. Um, and I feel that's like a really good move long term. I don't think we'll see Hooker on the field this season, and I'm quite happy with that. I, I, I don't know what you think, Matt. Yeah, I very much think the same, I- exactly the same. I was quite confident that Hooker would be able to take the reps if he needed to, but taking that pressure off him is important. And I mean, if you're saying that this team potentially can win the NFC North, and you know, let's face it, it could get carried away and talk about the NFC, but first things first, um, we've not won the division since 91, so let's not take it for granted. Um, if you were throwing a rookie with who's had that injury recently, who's not had training camp really, that doesn't sound like a recipe for success. And Bridgewater had a down year with Miami last year, but he's had many seasons of really good play. I mean, even when he was in Carolina and they were looking to trade him away, they weren't looking to trade him away because he was bad. They were looking to trade him away because he was a guy who could probably win nine games if, every year. And then you're kind of stuck in purgatory. Okay, fine. But that's still a guy who's going to let you go 500 every season. He's just not a world, world-class world quarterback. So it's a great guy to bring in as a bridge. And especially for two and a half million guaranteed. Like, it's it's 
you're on a hiding to nothing really with that signing. It's, it gives a good floor for what this offense can do. And him and Goff have a very similar skill set. They're going to be able to operate a very similar type of offense. Goff's deep ball is questionable, super accurate in the short to intermediate game, likes throwing it outside the numbers. Goff was a number two quarterback last season outside the numbers, which is insane to me given his reputation. And Bridgewater can do very much of the same stuff. Hyper accurate quarterback, you know, career highs above 70% completion rates. So he's going to fit into this offense like a glove. Uh, Super smart too. And Montgomery as well was asking the question. And I mean, he's going to be the lead back. I know that Gibbs is listed as RB1, but I'm just talking about the fact that he's going to be a wide receiver too. Montgomery is going to take probably first and second down reps. And if Montgomery doesn't ball, this offense doesn't roll. We're going to be a run first team. That's what Dan Campbell wants to do. 60% or 55, 60% of the plays could be run plays. So Montgomery is going to have to take advantage of what he's got here in his offensive line. It's potentially the best offensive line he's ever had in his career with respect to Bears teams of the past. Um, and the best thing he can do is trust the blocking that he's going to be given because the offensive line is going to open those holes. And last year, it didn't happen for this running game. And as much as we'll have a look back at the team and have a look at the record number of rushing touchdowns that we had, the majority of them were from the one-yard line, just punch in. But there was so much left on the table where five-yard runs could have been 20-yard runs. And Montgomery, they've put faith in him to be that guy to take it to the next level. So they're not only threatening it in the air with... Laporta and Jameson Williams coming back and Amon Ross and Brown. Um, but they're going to push it with Monty too and hope that both sides of, of that offensive game is, is elevated. I think I said this when we talked last, take good care of him. He He's a high character, hardworking. He's a player that you love to cheer for. He's never going to be a razzle and dazzle 80 yard touchdown run guy, but he's a, He's a damn good running back and and you guys got a good one. And I, I was I was bummed that they that they, the Bears didn't get to sign him. I'm very happy with our running back room the way that it is, but I don't know. Demo, Monty, whatever you guys call him. He's Jack, what do you think, dude? In terms of someone who runs behind their pads and finishes runs, I would say we've had nobody like him since Peyton. I mean, in terms of just not giving up on a run, he is one of the most physical. Uh, downhill runners we we've had so I just don't know about I, I think I was always left wanting more because there was not a lot of breakout runs not a lot of runs in the open field and not a lot of time spent in the end zone and of course we all know that the Bears offense desperately needs like guys that can find the end zone yeah. he's it's a kind one, of one cut runner for yep. sure it's kind of hard in the NFC North looking good as a running back as well, because in terms of being good behind offensive lines, you've been in a division with Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones, who've both shown when they're hitting the backfield, they're going to make significant yards and really do that good work. And so I think Monty's always been in their shadow a little bit because similar type of player to both of them kind of think similar skill sets, but just not quite as good as the two of them, but still really good. And I mean, Dan Campbell's been coming out and saying, oh, well, he was the guy we circled every time we faced the Bears. Like, this is the guy we need to shut down to shut down the team on offense because it runs through him. So we're hoping to bring that aspect of him to us. This seems Jake. like the... Go ahead. No, please, Jack. No, I mean, I think we're, we're on this topic, so it's really it really is another good transition. Bring us up to speed a little bit because the Lions jettisoned some high-profile offensive players. Uh, Hawkinson, who you mentioned, Swift, who you mentioned, and... Jamal Williams was that addition by subtraction how do you how do you look at that in Lions land uh, I think um the first thing with Hawkinson is they were going to need to pay him 
pretty soon. Um, and Hawkinson is a guy that we, we really like and liked. We liked him. We liked him when we drafted him, and he's been a great player. But he is limited, and he definitely has a ceiling, which he's rubbed up against a lot. Um, and principally, um, he's not the best blocker in the world. And although he's a great catcher of the ball, he's got a great power of hands. He does have a tendency the minute he catches the ball to fall over, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, he he's not a big yards after the catch guy. Like we've seen him break out a couple of times, but it's just been not enough for for you know the money that they would need to invest in him. Um, I think Jamal Williams, um, and you know I, I don't want to demean, demean Jamal at all because he's been a, again a great high character guy, a real leader. But again, like someone that is great for punching the ball in the red zone, um, but he's got a limited skill set. He doesn't get enough yards after the catch. Um, so it, it kind of feels like it, it feels like for every player that we've lost, we, we have improved. I mean, DeAndre Swift, again, it's massive potential, but just never on the field. Um, too many injuries, um, a bit of a question mark about his ability to kind of like pain manage in terms of getting back on the field after an injury. And, you know, I, I mean, I bought his shirt uh, two years ago because, you know, I loved him so much. Um, um, that's a classic curse of buying a shirt. Um, he's been banged up ever since. Yeah, I've got to agree. Um, I think Jamal's the one we're going to miss the most, but that's, I think, a locker room thing. Like, he was so entertaining to just be a part of the team. You can see that morale was automatically improved by him being there. So we'll miss that. And, you know, what was it, 17 touchdowns he had last year or something exceptional? Like, that's not to be sniffed at. But I think uh, 10 of them, 11 of them were from the one-yard line. Like, that's not repeatable. And it's good to have a guy who, when you need two yards, can get two yards. Like, we shouldn't diminish what that brings. It was really important to us. Our hope is that Montgomery can do that and be more. And, you know, the, the difference that you're paying him is is $2 million extra a year, which, frankly, I didn't want to spend. That's a bit rich for me for, for David Montgomery. As much as I really enjoy him being here, the hope now is that he bears out that. But offensively, I don't, or just in general with the team, I don't think that we've lost a huge amount. Hawkinson, in terms of, of the production, is what we maybe miss the most. But what is left on the table with Hawkinson when he's in your team is that you have to play him as a slot receiver. You can't play him in line because he is a, I mean, he helps them on their way sometimes. He's just so bad at blocking. So when you say limited, there's there's that wrinkle to it. When you put him in line, the quarterback's got to watch out every time for where he is because pressure's coming through there. So you don't want to give that guy what's Hawkinson going to get in a, in a re-up? He'll probably get 15 million, like top of tight end market money, but he's not a top end of the tight end market wide receiver. Uh, yeah, that's just a wide receiver. He's not top of the market wide receiver. So at a tight end, we can't be paying you that money. And if we're not willing to do that, let's get something back for him. And in Sam Laporta, you've got someone who has similar receiving ability, but like Steve says, isn't going to fall down after the catch and will actually get yak. So, so Matt, I guess I'm curious, are you just bummed, upset? I don't know what the right word is here that he had to go to the Vikings as opposed to someone out of the division. Do you know what I mean? Cause he, he was a weapon for them seemingly mm. down the stretch. He was, um, power to him. 
I, I, I really am not bummed about him going to the Vikings. In fact, secretly because I didn't want to pay him, and I know <laughs> that they now have to. I'm quite glad, especially given that they're in massive cap trouble. Like. It was a win-now move for a team that wasn't ready to win now. Despite the 13 wins, that Vikings team should have been, in their right mind, an eight-win team, maybe a nine-win team. They weren't better than that last year. They just got very, very lucky. I don't believe in this stuff of, like, oh, it's a mentality thing. Like, in in those one-score games, sometimes you win them and sometimes you don't. Um, And the fact that they have to pay him or lose the value in the trade and let him go for nothing hurts them. So it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect for us. Yeah. Boys, I'm not looking at the schedule and thinking, you know, oh, Christ, we've got to play TJ Hawkinson twice a year. I mean, like, that's not entering my head. That, that's fair. That's very, very fair. All right, boys, I'm going to give you a you have to pick one. You only get to pick one. Are you more excited for this season for Amon Ra St. Brown or Aiden Hutchinson? Let's go, Steve, and then Matt on this one. You have to pick just one and tell us why um i know that matt's going to go emin and brown so i'm going to pick aiden hutchinson um <laughs> apparently um apparently hutchinson has really bulked up so um everyone said you know he's always had like a good upper body strength um but he'd got like a broken leg maybe in his first season at michigan um and he's never like been as developed like below the waist. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I know I'm getting myself in there. Uh, <laughs> let me try and rephrase this. Uh, wow, we're getting uh, in-depth coverage here. That's unexpected. <laughs> so apparently he's been he's been in the weight room, and you know there's some real development in terms of his lower body strength. Um, he's looking absolutely razor sharp um jack was saying iron sharpens iron i mean imagine him and penny Saul going at it like you know for practice um and we saw a lot from him last season um he had a few he had a bit of a like um quieter spell in the middle of the season but you know he's got a lot more talent around him now on that uh, defensive line and i think he's gonna absolutely ball out this season absolutely ball out and and you know, he really needs to in terms of the defence needs a spear. It needs to have um, someone who is going to be just a constant pain in in the side. Um, And I think he's that guy. Absolutely. Matt, before you throw in, I just, that's how you know it's a good question. Both of them, the reaction, then their faces when I asked. So I'm I'm happy with that one. Matt, let's hear your response. I still can't choose, but I, I guess <laughs> I guess I'll take Amon Rasen Brown since he's gone Aiden. But I mean, Aiden, man, oh my god, he looks amazing. Um, not just below the waist, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but with with Amon Ra. So we're going into year three with Amon Ra. He was he was the fourth round pick the first year round for this regime, and he was the number two ranked PFF wide receiver last season. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick. This this doesn't happen very often. You have a look at his mentality, the way he treats everyone around him, the game, the seriousness of it. I mean, the guy's got no chill. Like, I I I, I hope he has some fun somewhere, but like, the guy's all business. Um, still catches two hundred and two balls 
from the jugs machine after every practice can still reel off those uh, 15 names that were taken before him as wide receivers in that 2021 NFL draft. And he will be eligible for a contract re-up after this season. And the Lions will be re-signing him after this season one year early because they cannot afford to let him get anywhere near free agency. Um, I've already postulated the potential contract and I know, I know that he's a slot receiver. He will get more than $30 million a year. It's, it's, it, I, I, the words sound ridiculous when you say them because what slot receiver outside of Tyreek Hill is worth that money. But if Amara gets injured, this offense doesn't work. Never mind Jared Goff. If Amara goes down, this team is not doing much because he is everything. He is all of it. His, his separation from the spot that he gets shouldn't be possible. The routes are so crisp, but the release is so good. And he's just able to turn up field without missing a beat. The best thing about him is that he's consistent because he does so much training and so much hard work. He does it every single time without fail. Like he had two drops in camp a couple of days ago. First time he dropped more than one ball in a day. And he was beside himself angry because he doesn't just, he doesn't do that. And that's the standard that he sets for himself. But then when you have a look at the effect that has on everyone else, you've got Jameson Williams who has been questioned a little bit in this off season. I think I'm fairly, but Jameson in, in presses is saying, you know, Amon Ra's the example we all have to follow. You've got people like Khalif Raymond, who is the most explosive, fastest guy on the team, um, by by apart from um, Jameson Williams. And he's saying, I can't keep up with this guy. <laughs> Even though, you know, he runs a 4-3-4 and Amon Ra runs a 4-6, but you, you can't beat him. And that's a just testament to who he is. So he might go for... 1,500 yards this season, all-purpose yards. He will line up out of the backfield as well as be that slot guy. He's also taking reps at the Z. He's a do-it-all player, and he's going to be the MVP of this team. It's interesting, uh, Jason Hirschhorn, who we just had on, he's our Packers guy uh, from the Leap. He basically was saying if Justin Jefferson isn't in the NFC North, everyone's talking about Amara Say Brown, um, that, it, that it's, it's a very different thing. But when you have possibly the best wide receiver in the game right now, you know, playing for the Vikings that it, that it kind of overshadows a little bit, but yeah, high, high praise all across the NFC North for him, for sure. Matt, you broached it a bit at the beginning talking about the overall expectations for the lions and their 2023 season, but let's go back to that a little bit. What are your expectations for the 2023 lions, Steve, and then Matt, I mean, I, I think we have to win the division. Like, this is our time slot. You know, we, we've got a window of opportunity with the, the team that we've got. Um, and, we, you know, we know that you guys in Chicago, you're kind of, kind of like coming through a rebuild. And we, de- you know, I think me and Matt both think that, that you're going to improve this year, but probably still not have a winning season. But, you know, be a lot better. The Packers, this looks like the most disarray that they've ever been in. And we've got the Jordan Love question. Um, and then we've got a Vikings team that kind of flattered to deceive a lot of the time last year, won a lot of, of um, you know, um, one possession games um, and, you know, made it to the playoffs, but then, you know, lost to a pretty average New York Giants team. So if we can't win it this season, I'm, I'm not sure when we can. Obviously, our record last year was hampered by that 
you know, going up in one and six, one and seven, I think, one and six, I think we were at one point by Thanksgiving. Um, that's not going to happen this season, even though we've got a tough start with, I think, playing Seattle and, and Kansas City quite early on. But, you know, we, in terms of our NFC North record, we were five and one last season. We lost one close game against the Vikings and won the other five. And I'm expecting kind of like 10 and seven, 11 and six as like a minimum this season. I think that has to be like our expectations, particularly in terms of like, you know, how we've done in free agency and, and we've had a good draft. Yeah, I I very much the same with Steve in terms of expectation. I actually I, I think that might be a little low. I mean, the Lions we know that the NFC is the weaker conference, right? It's not just all talk. The Chargers would be a very good team in the NFC and they're not in the AFC. And that that's the kind of barometer for me. But in the NFC, there's no reason why the Lions shouldn't be winning 12 games. Really. You have a look at the schedule and you know. It depends how you rebound after the Kansas City game, if that is indeed a loss. I, I, I don't think there's a Lions fan out there which isn't going, oh, well, I'll write it off, and if we win, that's great, but I just want to give them a good game. If we win that, great. If we lose that, how do we rebound week two? That's the biggest question of this season, because we rebound with a win and get that momentum going, and this could be a historic team for the side. Like The offense shouldn't be retreating from fifth overall it should still be a top five offense because you have a look at all of the underlying advanced metrics of this team it's not just that it was lucky or anything like that it's well designed it works Goff is the perfect guy for this offense he's answered the questions required of him to say that he's going to be the guy at least for the short term because he operates what Ben Johnson wants to put out there with precision and he gets the absolute most out of the players that are there so the offense shouldn't be taking a step back in fact I expect it to get better I, I don't know whether that means the rest of the teams around them will also get better and they'll still be around where they are, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a top three unit. And then on defense, I mean, Hutchinson got nine and a half sacks last year and he looks so much better than he did last season. I, I can't speak to how much better he looks because last season he'd just been repping and training for the combine. He hasn't had to do any of that. He's actually just focused on being game ready from week one. And it's made a massive difference. In camp, he's destroying everyone apart from Penny Sewell. In joint practices, he's destroying the Giants guys. Like, it looks fantastic. So if he doesn't get 12 or 13 sacks, I almost think that's disappointing for Hutch. And then we've got Josh Pascal back after injury. He was a second-round pick in the previous year. He looks fantastic too. If Jack Campbell hits, if Brian Branch hits, this could also be like a top-10 defense. We could be looking at one of the best teams in the NFL, full stop, never mind the NFC. And that's where, like, the, the height of expectation is, right? That's not... That, that is the Kool-Aid chugging part of it. But if you're talking about <laughs> expectation, the Lions are always going to go, oh, I'll be downcast about it because what if I get hurt again? Well, I'm going to consider what things could be like if you really hit the top of it. The top of expectation for this team could be like 15 wins. And I know that's ridiculous, but the, we could also win out. We could win seven or eight games. Don't, don't say it, Matt. Don't say this shit out loud. <laughs> the, the great thing about this division, though, can I just say, the great thing about this division is that all four teams could have a losing season and all four teams could have a winning season. It's, Dude, it's unbelievable it's how it works. It's so good. It's, it's, it's so exciting. Jack, Jack what, so that's a segue into your question. We'll hold off on my question until... So, boys, when answering Jack's question, save a little bit for the for specifics about the Bears. Yeah, so I think you did it a little bit already, um, Matt, but we're going to hold your feet to the fire a little bit, both of you. Uh, rank the division. What, how do you think it's going to, how's it going to pan out? 
uh, from first to worst. And talk about the Packers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our good friend Heidi just chimed in. Was waiting to hear about their view on the Packers. So yeah, Heidi, great, great. We're we're curious to hear about that as well. Uh, Stephen, then Matt, please. So I, I was talking to Ryan earlier in the week when we were like mm-hmm. talking about this show, and and I said to him that the opening match between the Bears and the Packers, if if I was a guy that liked to bet. I would be terrified to place a cent on that game because I have no idea what's going to happen. I've no idea what kind of offense that Green Bay is going to look like with Jordan Love and then some like really green wide receiver core um, and the defense um, with so many questions. I, I, I just don't know where the, the Bears and the Packers how how their respective rise and fall is going to like coincide in terms of a record because I think the Bears are going to be better and I think the Packers are going to be, going to be worse but it's just trying to rank what that looks like in terms of in terms of when I think the Vikings aren't going to be as bad in terms of fall off as people think because um, you know they've even though they've lost Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. They've made some good additions. They've got Jordan Addison in to replace Thielen, which I think is a good move. Um, the defense, they've got rid of Ed Donatel, the DC. Um, so you would expect the defense to be better. And, and also, like Kevin O'Connell's scheme on offense is notoriously difficult to learn. It, we talked about quarterback Jack, and, and Kirk was basically saying that he didn't really get comfortable with the offensive, offensive playbook till about week 10. So I think there's still room for the, the Vikings offense to be good next season. Um, but I'm going to say the Lions are going to win it. I, 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 but I think very, very closely second will be the Vikings. And then I think the Packers and the Bears are, are both going to be around the 6 and 11, 7 and 10 mark. No, no, that's not it. That's not <laughs> it for me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm much. We'll come on to the Bears in a minute, but in terms of rankings, I am going to go Lions, Bears, Packers, Vikings. Um, I do think that the Vikings are going to fall off, uh, contrary to what Steve was just saying. So they're such a boom or bust team, right? And they hit the boom last year. And I don't think that necessarily means they're going to hit the bust this year. But the defense is bad. And I know they've managed to actually keep Danielle Hunter, but I don't think the defense does enough for me. The the cornerbacks are still poor. The players that they've invested in in the draft because of injury aren't working out. Lewis Seen isn't a starter. And Andrew Booth, is he ever going to play in the NFL? Like, those are two picks you're looking at that they got in trades from us, actually, I think, um, who, aren't, who don't look like they're working out right now. So I think the Vikings are going to find that unless their offense can fire them to nail-biting shootout wins, they're going to lose a lot of narrow games. And I think that you actually find that it might even be that their point differential gets better because they had 13 wins but a negative point differential last year. I think they could have a positive point differential but only win like seven or eight games. But I think the Packers are going to be in that sort of 500 range, eight and nine, nine and eight. I think Love is... Not bad enough that the arse is going to fall out of it, but I don't think he's good enough to make them look great. And then the Bears don't have to get much better to end up winning a lot of games. Maybe that's the next question. So, But, but for the Lions, 
you have to win this division. There's there's no other option here because fundamentally, I think you have the most continuity with your playing staff and your coaching staff of all of the teams in the league. The foundations were already there, and then you've taken luxury players on top. That should be the the icing on the cake for us. So this is the with, with Brian Flores coaching the the defense at the Vikings. I mean, when you think about what Flores did to that really poor Miami Dolphins team about three seasons ago, and he really got that defense like some respect on their name. I I think he's going to do wonders with like you know trying to sort out that Vikings defense, which was a mess last year. I don't think they have the personnel to do it. Just don't. That's. It's fair. Boys, it's interesting is this is the third part of a three-part series around the NFC North and watching Vikings fans and watching Packers fans <laughs> squirm at the thought of the Lions out in front. You know, honestly, boys, I, I don't – I love the Chicago Bears. I don't see them winning the division this year. I do think it's yours. And I think we talked about this one of the, one of the times that we've had you guys on. I'm all for it. I want to see it. I want to see a shakeup in the division. I don't want to see the Green Bay Packers. And Matt, something that you also said has been repeated a couple times is if Jordan Love is good enough to string the Packers along, but not good enough to be the guy, everybody wins. Everybody wins because, you know, they don't get a great quarterback in this upcoming draft. Um, you know, they, they hang on to him for a little bit longer than they should. Uh, that's the quarterback. We, we want him to be Mitch Trubisky. He's the quarterback we want and deserve <laughs> for that Packers team. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, that's rough. I'm not sure I would wish that on my – well, yeah, I would wish that on my worst enemy. Um, so uh, it's also interesting to note, gentlemen, that I believe all of our around the NSC North experts picked their team to win the division. So oh. for whatever that's worth. <laughs> oh, man. It's that time of year. It's yeah. that time of year. City season. Well, so right. boys, you you kind of already hit it. So just maybe just quick, just overall quick thoughts on the the Bears off season. You know, from a Lions perspective, just anything about the draft, anything about the Bears off season. I think you kind of already have alluded much to how you feel about this Bears team, but just anything that you maybe have missed thus far. Well, I mean, I think when you look at the Bears offense, uh, you know, you you've got your quarterback of the future. You you would hope. Um, let, let's say for now, you know, Fields is the guy. Um, but then like last year, his receiving core, like Equinemius and Brown was kind of like his main target. And like this season, you've got DJ Moore, you've got Claypool, who, you know, I thought was a really, really strong player for the Steelers and I think has got more in the tank. Um, He's had a great Donald camp, Mooney. a great camp. Yep. Absolutely. Darnell Mooney, you've got Komet. I mean, that's not a bad offensive array of weapons. Um, I, I think my my worry with the Bears is in the trenches on both sides because I think your O-line has got better, but there's still holes in it. And I just don't know what your defense, your D-line is. I don't know what your, what your pass rush is. And, and I think – so those are my big questions, and that's why – I'm kind of thinking the Bears are going to finish winning six or seven games next season because I think there's a, a lot of issues in the trenches. I know that, and before I came on this show, one of our other guys said, try not to butter them up too much, but I, I can't help myself. Um, the Bears last season were, they started two and one, right? 
and then they fell off massively. But Fields didn't, and was a big reason why the majority of the games he lost were competitive and were pretty close. A couple of games weren't, but in the main, Chicago were in pretty much every game. And, you know, he destroyed us. A couple of uh, Both games, he almost ran for 200 yards by himself, I think. Like, it's ridiculous. And, oh, he's just a running back. Well, he's not. We've seen that he's not throughout his career that he can throw a pass. He just gets a bit skittish when he knows he has to escape the pocket. I am not a fan of Cody Whitehair. But I think the other four guys on the line are great. I think they could be really, really good. I know the Bears fans are higher on Braxton Jones than pretty much everyone else's, but he's going to prove people wrong, I think. I'm a fan of Darnell Wright. I still think he was taken too high, but he's still a good player. That's not to detract from him as a player. I'm a fan of Nate Davis, and Tevin Jenkins is an absolute beast. So on the offensive side of the line, I'm okay with it. And on defense, okay, fine, I wasn't massively enamored with it, but Demarcus Walker and now Yannick Ngakwe is going to work out fine. So can you get the interior pressure? Justin Jones, Gervin Dexter, Andrew Billings, I don't know. It's not setting the world on fire. But I think that if you can't set the world on fire, stop the run. And I think that Gervin Dexter can do that. So I don't think that your defensive line is going to blow people away. You're going to be putting a lot on the plate of your linebackers, which you've invested heavily in. So you kind of saw that coming. You know, if Tremaine and TJ work out, then this defense could be good. And then you're just hoping that Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson and Kyler Gordon are something. And if they are, I mean, the Bears have got all the upward trajectory in the world. I mean, Roshan Johnson, I thought is a luxury pick, really, because in your running back room, you've got Khalil Herbert, who's clearly running back one. But Donta Foreman, who I think should be a running back one somewhere else. Donta Foreman is incredible. Like, you saw him, what he's done in his previous stops. He, he, I'm not even sure if I've got the right guy. Uh, he was the guy who backed up King Henry, right, in Tennessee? Yep, he was. Yeah, so when when um, Henry went down, Foreman looked better. And I don't really know how that's possible with the rushing leader going down, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, they look better in the run, but he was violent, he's massive, but he's also more efficient than than Derek Henry was. So to have him as a running back too is, is ridiculous. Roshan Johnson, I, I don't know how many touches he gets, but never mind. Claypool, your number three, great, because that means Equinemius and Brown isn't in there. Maybe something good comes of him. I was a big believer in him in Pittsburgh. I think he'll turn it around. Darno Mooney, legit number two now. DJ Moore, fantastic. The Bears should be a plus 500 team. They really should be. And if they're not, I'm not saying questions start arising because I think the transition is working well. If you win eight games, okay, fine. But nine games really should be achievable for this team. Matt, I like you're saying all of the things that I feel like I've been saying over the last couple of weeks. I think you and Steve might be better Bears fans, more informed Bears fans <laughs> than some Bears fans. Yeah, legitimately, Steve, I mean, you're talking about the defensive line. That's a big question mark. The offensive line, the, especially the health of the offensive line, you guys really, you just, you, you nailed a lot of the points that I think we've been talking about for a while. So I say to you guys, bravo. Gentlemen, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Before you get out of here, do you have any questions for us? Is there anything that we missed, anything that you, we should be talking about that you're looking forward to, particularly this season? Anything at all that you guys want to talk about? Let's go Steve and then Matt. Um, I guess I was going to ask you guys in terms of looking at the Lions. Um, when, we, when we play you first time and, you, and, and you're, you know, just before the game, you're looking at like the, the roster. Who are the players that you, like, scare you on the Lions and who are the players that you think, 
yeah, we can we can do some damage against these guys. Where, where do you think that lies? Jack, do you mind if I take this one first? Go ahead. I mean, I think it's it's obviously the guys that that I wanted to talk about. Amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, you know, we feel really good about the Chicago Bears secondary, but if there's no pass rush, that's a lot of time on an island for Jalen Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson, um, or Kyler Gordon, any one of these guys. And so that, that he definitely worries me. And and Hutch, you know, with the offensive line being bad i don't think this is a great offensive line it's definitely better than it was last year uh i mean you know especially if, if he's thicker in the legs uh thicker under the waist i don't know I remember exactly how you said it but uh but if 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 he's if he's in any way improved you know that that definitely i think that that worries me um i think you know the chicago bears run the football and while the offensive line was atrocious last year in terms of pass protection probably the worst in the nfl um they could run block. They could run block for David Montgomery. They could David, they could run block for, for Khalil Herbert. They could run block for Justin Fields. And I do think that the bears have had a lot of success running the football against the Detroit lions, uh, historically speaking. And, and I do see that trend kind of continuing. That's just me. It was who on the lions gives us the most fear. Is that what, what it was? Yep. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's a great answer uh, and a great question. I, be, it'll be really interesting to see what Jameson uh, Williams can do when it does come together for him in terms of just sheer talent. Yikes. Uh, and then especially if uh, St. Brown and uh, Jameson Williams uh, start to become a one-two punch and then defenses have to begin to react to it. Uh, that's going to be tough. As Ryan said, I, we do uh, think our secondary is pretty good and the linebackers we picked up I think we're in a response to a league that has gone to passing the ball with greater frequency. So linebackers that can hopefully fill the run, but can definitely run with slot receivers and running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So in some ways I feel like we geared our defense in ways to be able to respond better to the type of offense that Detroit is beginning to present. Um, There's no way to avoid a fear of Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's a premier player. He's going to continue to get better. Uh, he's a dominant pass rusher, and we're going to really get a good sense of the extent to which our offensive line has improved. Matt, what All about right. you? Two things from me. One, are you looking forward to Aaron Rodgers finishing last in the division for the first time ever, maybe? And two, <laughs> uh, are there a, a, a more Bears-related question, I guess. So we talked about the defensive line maybe not quite being there. Is there any other positions or is there someone at that sort of defensive tackle position that you guys are looking to perhaps bring in to to get better? Because I've clearly Ngakwe has been waiting in the wings for someone to pick him up post the majority of training camp, as a lot of edge players do. So is there maybe someone that's on your radar in any position to try and improve the Bears? Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry, I was looking off something really quick. Um, so the, I think the quick answer is no, not really. I know there was some talk about uh, Houston maybe coming in as like a one-two punch to Yannick Ngakwe. I think they want to see what their draft picks uh, can can do. Um, you know, Jervon Dexter is one that I know has had a has had a really, really, really good um, his really good camp. Um, they're really excited about Zach Pickens to see what he could do as well on the defensive line. I think it's. It, 
you know, and especially with Yannick coming in, the the mentorship that he could possibly have for second year player like Dominique Robinson, um, in, in the hopes that that those guys can kind of develop. The, we are not in the position the Detroit Lions are where I really feel like what you guys said is right. You should be winning this division. This is your time to win the division. I think if the Bears were a year ahead in this rebuild, then then maybe we're having a different conversation trying to bring in someone. Um, but I honestly, I, I think that at this point, unless it was a center that somehow got cut by somewhere else, um, I think this team is probably the one that's going to be you know headed into week one against the Green Bay Packers. All right. Uh, for the first question, I mean, yeah, I think it honestly it sets up just perfectly. Like I said, for that first episode of Hard Knocks to be filled with joy and elation, I, I will be, I will be shocked if it doesn't just go right off the rails at some point. I mean, <laughs> uh, to 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 paint, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's just coming off so sweet right now. Like he's such a good guy. I have long believed that he is the type of guy who can tear a team apart from the inside. Now he's great in terms of his skills and abilities, a hall of fame level quarterback. There's no doubting that he can make every throw. He's super like intelligent football wise, but when things don't go his way and he decides to be sorry, a little bitch, he, he's, he's a little bitch. The <laughs> and, New York, the New York media, when yeah. something doesn't go well, he's right. not ready for that. No, I mean, and, and he's willing to throw his teammates under the bus and willing to throw his offensive coordinator under the bus like that. So, uh, you know, if they're able to go through periods of duress and still somehow come out clean in all of this, I will be amazed mm. <laughs> to, to be. The thing that goes underrated in that division is that the Patriots have a working offensive coordinator now. So it's mm-hmm. not even like you can say they're definitely going to finish ahead of the Pats. Like the Pats are going to be a much better team. Mac Jones showed he could win 10 games two years ago. Right. So right. I, I really think they are potentially joint third or fourth in that division. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I think as well, I think as well from an NFC North perspective, how bad does the, Roger's situation now in New York make the Packers front office seem in terms of the fact that, you know, Rogers has gone to the Jets and, you know, he's, he's doing his best expectation of normal. I mean, he's like, he's been to all the OTAs, he's turned <laughs> up for all the camps, you know, he's not set up like an isolation tank and he's not like there, like, you know, dropping acid in the locker room, you know, like he's yet. doing his best yet. pretense to be normal and to me that's all about Robert Sala and Robert Sala's office said like you know if you come here I don't want any of your BS and it just shows you how I think how much the Packers organization has indulged you know his kind of like crybaby tantrums in the last five seasons so you know it says a lot about that organization I I think what we're seeing now in New York but it won't last that I mean, true. And that juxtaposed with the way that they've handled love is going to be really fascinating because we don't know what Jordan love is, but the fact that he's been in the organization for this will be his fourth year and he was inactive his entire first year. Uh, we were talking a little bit. It's just really fascinating to see how some quarterbacks are just thrown to the wolves immediately. Uh, and they sometimes they respond and sometimes they don't. Uh, and some are slow played. Um, and, and so far it doesn't look like the slow play, has worked out. But again, and you and you said it, Steve, we really have no idea what we're going to see on week one because, 
I mean, we joked. We thought Seattle was terrible last year preseason, and Seattle had a pretty damn good year. So it, it, most of this, right, is just is talk, and that's all it is. Uh, but, I, you know, maybe it's just us really hoping that the Packers will burn. A lot of, lot of pressure for Jordan Love. A lot of pressure to follow Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Matt, Steve, we cannot thank you guys enough. We love we could, we could this pod could go on for three hours. We could talk football with you guys for forever. We know you got a game to get prepped for. Um, why don't you run us through, guys, how we can follow, um, especially with you know all the stuff, Steve. I know you do for um, the NFL Scotland, um, and Matt. I know. I mean, you guys do college football stuff at Roar of the Lions. You have so much stuff going on. Run us through all that stuff before we we uh, we say our goodbyes. Yes, yeah, so Ant and Ryan, I think probably still currently are live doing the college football show. So they are junkies for the for the college game, and it really helps our draft prep actually. So they're currently going through a series where they're displaying the independents and the group of five teams in detail, and I mean like three hour shows per conference. It's it's not of this world, but Ant and Ryan are are suckers for punishment. So, uh, and then we've got our own main show, which runs twice a week through the season. It's on all the normal social medias and on YouTube and Twitch. Raw up the lines UK, and we've got a a website that we kind of do, but it's kind of being left behind a little bit by by the blog stuff that we're not not doing as much of as I'd like. But there we go. So Raw of the Lions UK, YouTube and Twitch uh, live and on all normal podcast streams. And Steve, NFL Scotland? NFL Scotland, yeah, I'll be putting out my season preview for the NFC North in the next couple of weeks. So I will link that to you guys on your uh, by Twitter. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for, for stopping in at the Bear Down Chicago podcast. We appreciate you, and we're very much looking forward to our next conversation, boys. Can't wait. Take care, Thanks, gentlemen. Guys. Great to see you. Those guys are amazing. I I love chatting with them. They're just the, the best guys and just just so so every time. We, we, we laugh always, every time. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been in the habit recently of saying, like, everybody can fan how they want to fan. But in my heart of hearts, uh, folks like, you know, Steve and Matt, who are so detailed and so in tune with the team and so passionate about the team, that those are my type of fans. I, I love, like, that they know not only, as you said, about their team so much, but, like, their knowledge of, of, of the Bears and other teams in the division is – I mean, it's expert knowledge. It's really pretty cool. Very, very true. Uh, Let's switch gears completely. Let's talk about training camp. Before we do, you all have to indulge me for just one second. Here's a video of my daughter saying Bear Down Chicago Bears. She's uh, just turned two. So please just indulge me for just one second. What are we doing? Saying Go Bears? Yeah. Da Bears. Can you say it? Da Bears. Da Bears. That's awesome. Sorry, dude. Just had to do it. Okay. And one more. This is Brendan and I uh, reporting back from training camp. We got to go uh, and we're going to talk about it just a little bit. So uh, here we go. This is our recap from Bears training camp. All right. So Brendan camp just wrapped up for today. Some guys that sit out to you. Talk to me. 
Yeah, so a couple of them. First off, Equinemia St. Brown. Unfortunately, he got hurt on a 7-on-7 drill, but he filled in for Chase Claypool. Looked, looked good. Looked really good. Had some great grabs. Uh, Micah Baskerville. <laughs> the linebacker out of nowhere. That pick six was, was awesome. Great pick six. He had great two interceptions. Play. He had some great plays in the run defense. Uh, Tristan Ebner. Remember Tristan Ebner? I, I, I thought there was no way, and all of a sudden we all looked in the end zone and we're like, was that, was that 25? It was. Yeah, it was 25. Had a great, great big, I think it was 70 yard run. He had some really nice catches out of the backfield, Definitely. turned up field. So, yeah, and I'll say Braxton Jones. I think the tackles, both of them, Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright, held up. Interior of the line, not so much. Yeah. It, um, I, you know, I'm going to say some of the ones that I think everybody wants to hear. Uh, Justin Fields uh, didn't look great right from the onset, but in the, the, the rest of practice, yeah. looked really sharp. A couple deep balls. Him and DJ Moore have some chemistry. It it's is there. fun to now watch. Now that you've seen it the first time, you it, can it's, say, right? it's, it was, it was It was special at times. Yeah, it was a bummer about EQ. He had a, he had a couple of really great plays. I was thinking about... Um, Chase Claypool got hurt. Chase Claypool got hurt. A couple injuries today. Yeah, so um, Khalil Herbert looks smooth running the ball. A uh, couple... A nice easy catches, jump dump offs from Justin Fields, and this was fun. Thanks, Brendan. Oh, of course, man. Hey, check out Bear Down Chicago podcast, everybody. We don't get a ton of chances to do stuff like that, the video and all that. So it was a, it was a really cool experience. I know we, you know, going to Hallis Hall, and we've talked about this endlessly, Jack. That Olivet Nazarene University, they did a great job, uh, but man, I, I had that experience when you're seeing the parking lot that you've seen so many times on, you know, 1920 football drive. And, you know, you're, you're seeing all the videos of all these, you know, these famous bears coaches and players walking in for the first time and seeing the training facilities that you're watching on the news. Like it was surreal and so much cooler than I expected. Um, I mean, I think this is a better experience personally. What did you think about it? Well, first of all, we cannot just brush by the ridiculous cuteness that your daughter exhibited uh, in her her debut on this show, right? Like that's I am crazy. indoctrinating her as best I possibly can. As so you should. thank you, Heidi. Yes, as you should. <laughs> that was really sweet. So I was going to ask you, Ryan. Uh, previously when was the last time that you had been to camp was it is all of it or it, it's it's been a while you know with yeah. with covid and having uh right. having our daughter it, it, it just it hasn't worked out and so my amazingly patient wife who is still watching my daughter right now as we're doing this podcast um you know gave me the opportunity to, to go with brendan and yeah it was it was just such a cool experience. And the only reason I asked was so that I could kind of hear you juxtapose the two, you know, the two experiences, uh, because it is obviously a, a much different experience here, you know, locally. And you and you said overall you liked it better uh, at Alice Hall. I, I do. You know, I mean, I, I totally get the, you know, it's funny because we actually got to talk to to Tom Waddle um, and, and I asked him that very question just because I was curious. And folks, you'll have to give me one more second here with the technology. Again, for all of our audio only listeners, you are missing just a little bit here. Um, and so just give me one second, folks. Sorry, technical, technical difficulties. Um, and so, Tom, yes, absolutely. So 
Right. So, so Tom Waddle, it was, it was just, it was awesome to get a chance to talk to him. You know, I asked him that very question, Hey, what did you, what did you think, you know, uh, about it? And, you know, what would you prefer? And he said, as a player, I, I wanted to be at all, or I wanted to be away from Hallis Hall. Uh, just the, it was the time to go to work. He said, but now covering the bears, you know, he ended up driving his daughter's like 50 CC scooter, um, to, to Hallis Hall and, and, and appreciated it so much more. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I get the, the, the advantage of it, but now with like players getting a chance to stay at in their houses, you know, to stay while they're at camp. And I just, it, there's just so many benefits to it being done at Hallis hall. Personally, that's just where I'm at. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I've just come down on the side of saying that while I do think it's probably in every way, shape and form better for the team the players the coaches i just think all of it was a bit better for the fans and not that it's you know it's not right out of the gate the first time i went to alice hall i was you know had glowing reviews about the bears doing it right they really do get a lot of it right it's an event without it without a doubt but but the, the sheer fact of the the size of the facility makes it so that there is less um tickets available and less opportunity for people to be there and in that way just a lot more kids um, that were that were down at all of that. Not a big yeah. beef, really. Not a big beef. Just just a difference. No, I totally get it. You know, but again, you know, seeing seeing this image when you walk up, you know, seeing their practice oh. fields, which are immaculate, which they Beautiful. should be. You know, they're they're an NFL franchise. I know Pro Football Focus just put out that they're one of the top ten most uh, you know profitable franchises as they should be. I thought this was fantastic. Didn't realize uh, there's a player, uh, his last name forty six Deng. Um, there's some really cool DB drills that we were watching when we were there. Quarterbacks Andrew John Janico Janico. I know I'm. The, the quarterback coach for the Chicago bears, he had some really cool drills. J- Jack, I was thinking a lot about you during some of those drills because he was so animated. He was so all over the place. Um, you know, and, and the things that he was doing, it seemed to make sense. Like, Oh, let him, you know, let the quarterback fire off a couple passes. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere is just yelling and screaming at them, you know, because their concentration, I just, I was really interested to, to just kind of watch how that whole thing worked. Um, and again, you know, we just, we had such a, such a great experience. We had a chance to, to actually interact with some, um, some of our listeners, which I'll talk about it when we get to shout outs. Um, I just, it was, it was a cool experience and, uh, and it was neat. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And you had a a great day, but yeah, I do think, you know, we just talked a little bit about like the expertise that it takes to create a practice plan. And it it seems like the the staff has it down. You know, I I was interested in, and I wonder if we would ever get to see um, what the rest of the day looks for, like for the guys, you know, like I'm sure that they get a a day's itinerary, you know, and there's probably like pre-practice meetings and such uh, in training room time, you know, on the field at this particular time and then maybe, afterwards and then is there downtime and then films and meetings i, I just you know what are, are they doing meals together i would just be it'd be cool to see some of the um you know pull back the curtain moments for the rest of the day for the guys be, absolutely I'd, we got we gotta get a hard knocks which wait, i know a lot of bears fans don't want but i think it would be fun jack we got a, a, a packed episode on sunday and this episode has gone for quite a while anything that we miss that we that we have to be talking about you know, just maybe a little bit with Nate Davis and, and you know, you mentioned it with the offensive line, you know, and, and when you and Brendan, you know, uh, posted your video, it's maybe starting to get to a little bit of a concern um, where, you know, if, if Nate Davis isn't a constant and we're worried about Tevin Jenkins and his injuries, 
and we don't love the center, you know, I, I'm really going to be interested to see how that progresses. Um, just, uh, yes, I, I think we're all kind of worried about it. Just Bruja seven coming with a comment, fantastic work, training camp content and everything else. Sublime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I saw your questions that you had to Adam rank and Brendan Chagru Bruja. So thank you for your phenomenal questions and your support. Seriously. It, it was just such a cool experience. Um, injuries are our concern, but I think injuries are concerned for everywhere. It's just, there's not a lot of depth on that offensive line. So that part is definitely worrisome. Jack, we got to get out of here. This has been an awesome episode. Dude, I miss having these one-on-ones. You and it, we don't do enough of this. Not saying that we want to, we want to kick out those other guys. Um, but uh, but you know, it's just how it all uh, started, right? This is it's how fun. this is the origin story. Yeah, absolutely. You and I going back and forth over the water cooler. A quick shout out to my guy, my guy John White, who just chimed in. 27 years in prison for something he didn't do. One of the most amazing human beings I've ever met in my entire life. Shout out to you, John White. So uh, shout outs, Jack. Let's do shout outs, uh, you and then me. And let's get out of here, buddy. Uh, one interaction I've had in the last couple of days uh, just uh, that I thought I wanted to shout out was um, Ro- Ross. Check that. Russ Carnuth. Hopefully I've got that correct, Russ. Um, he's at, uh, at Shy Bulls. 2333. Sorry, that was a lot for me to get out for some reason. Um, so thanks. I, you know, anytime we get these interactions with folks on, um, on Twitter, we, we do greatly enjoy it. And, and Ryan, you know, I do apologize to you cause you have to hear this all the time, but I just I, I, shout out to my friend, uh, Patrick Burns and his wife, Melissa, who were the ones who got me to listen to the first episode of smartless, I know I talk about it all the time. It's a great it podcast. Given me great joy and laughter as I walk and I listen and I, and we went and saw them, you know, live in Chicago and I've watched the documentary and I just, you know, I know that they're not on our radar in any way, shape or form, but if you're not listening to smart lists, it's, you know, it, it is really outstanding to listen to. It's a lot of fun and it's very, very, very funny. And if there's some way that Jason Bateman and I can become close personal friends if someone could get that done for me, it would be a dream come true, to be honest. You are quite the fanboy, for sure. Um, I, you'll have to excuse me. I have a lot of shout outs. Just one more time um, to my wife, Kate, uh, my neighbors, Richard and Char, who just are allowing me to have this space and allowing this to happen today. I think they might be watching right now. So uh, just seriously appreciate you guys so, so very much. Um, wifey and I went to this place called Olive and Vinny's. And this woman, Karen, who owns the shop, we're like, hey, we want a gift for our neighbors because, you know, they're, they're allowing us to use their space while home renovation is. This woman put together the most thoughtful, like, gift basket idea. Uh, insane. If you happen to be in the western suburbs, anywhere near the western suburbs, especially if you're not somebody who's like, oh, I, you know, what do I get someone maybe that doesn't drink alcohol? Like, because, you know, you get a bottle of wine as a housewarming present and you're like, they don't drink. Go to, go to Olive and Vinny's, talk to Karen, tell them that Ryan from the Bear Down Chicago podcast sent you. This woman is incredible. You got to try to give her some business. Please, please, please. The last one. And this, this one is so, so cool. So Rob and Chris 
I got a chance to talk to them at camp and they recognized me and Brendan from the podcast and they supported us and they, they watch all the things that we do. And it was the coolest thing ever. And so seriously, Rob and Chris, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of you listening. It, it, it means more than we can ever possibly say, right? When, when the fact that people are hanging out that on for us at three o'clock on a Friday, that there are people watching this podcast right now and interacting with us. Jack, I mean, you know me, dude, I'm like, I'm, at, I'm like legit at a, at a loss for words. Like, you know, we've been doing this for a couple of years now and you know, we built a, a following and some listeners and it's really cool, dude. It's really yeah, cool. Very much so. Very much so. So we, we appreciate you all. Um, if you like this podcast, please hit like, hit subscribe, hit us with a five-star review because that really helps to widen our audience. Please come in on Sunday night, 7.30 Chicago time. We have a former Chicago Bear that was on the 2006 Super Bowl uh, team. I can't say championship. I wanted to say championship. But the 2006 Super Bowl team, uh, a phenomenal player, and he's doing some really cool things with ESPN 1000. I think at this point I've given away for some of you, but he is so cool. So please come and check that out. Uh, Follow us on all of our socials because that stuff is important. But for Jack Wright, Brendan Chagrew, Logan Bradley, Patrick Sheldon, I am Ryan Dangle. Folks, thank you so very much for hanging out with us. And as always... Bear down, Chicago.